Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we are dealing with a war of ideas, part three. A war of ideas, part three. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And when we talk about a war of ideas, we're just talking about a competing worldview. A worldview is how you see the world. So for us as Christians, our worldview should be Bible-based. We look at everything through a Christian lens. There's nothing that we ought to do without uh, actually asking ourselves, what would Jesus do? What does the Bible say? What does God want us to to do in this situation. We talk about Christian ethics. That's based on scripture. That's based on the Bible. So worldviews are not homogenous. They're not the same. Christian worldview is totally different than other worldviews in many cases. Now, you may see some similarities, but again, how do we know uh, which one is the truth? We know that Christianity is truth because the God of the Bible sent Jesus. And Jesus is the perfect example that God exists and that God has a plan for our relationship with him. So we as Christians, um, we believe that our worldview, the way we look at life, the way we look at society is the truth. And whatever else comes against it is false. And again, truth is not based on feelings. Truth is not based on experience. Truth is based on the objectivity of what the scripture is saying. When you look at all the evidence, there's more evidence, a better arguments for God's existence than God's, um, than those who profess that God does not exist. So on last episode, we try to unpack the concept of atheism, or you can say atheism, basically saying there's no God, 
There are those who said there's no God. And um, we as Christians are often faced in this society with a lot of people who say God does not exist. And the arguments they use to me are not as good as the arguments we as Christians have for his existence. How do you prove or how can you argue that there's no God when your um, knowledge base is limited? Um, I used to say a number of years ago when people would say there's no God, uh, people that I would dialogue with, people that I would talk to, uh, I would ask them, are you familiar with every single published book in the Library of Congress? And of course, they have to say no, because no man has read every book. And my second follow-up question then is, if you're saying that your knowledge is finite, then is it possible that God exists in the realm of information that you don't have? That's just one example for the existence of God. We are finite beings. We don't know everything. So outside of, uh, uh, inside of the realm of knowledge that we don't know, it's just possible that that information proved that God exists. But Scripture reminds us the God of this world has blinded their eyes. Then the second thing we talked about was agnosticism. And to me, agnosticism, as I said before, is just a watered-down version of atheism. What agnosticism uh, would say is they don't believe there's enough arguments, to pro- I mean, enough evidence to prove that God does exist. And that's not true. There's plenty of uh, arguments that show that God does exist. They're just not willing to accept it. Then humanism. Humanism basically argues or look at life from a humanistic perspective. They're putting humans on the throne. So whatever humanity has able to come up with, whatever humanity has able to accomplish, they believe in that more so than the God that they argue uh, does not exist because they can't see, hear, touch, feel. And based on their five senses, they're not willing to accept it. So humanism and scientism is akin. Uh, they, they, they have a lot of similarities. Uh, scientism argues that uh, truth can only be proven by science, meaning that truth claims uh, can only be proven by science are those that are true. So things such as prayer, things such as soul, things such as God, which exists on a metaphysical level, since they can't be proven by our five senses, they're not true. And again, those that believe in scientism and humanism, they prescribe to this um, counter-argument or um, their refusal to believe in a metaphysical. That's really the issue. Those that object to the metaphysical the things that are not attained through the five senses, they reject and they say those things do not exist. Then polytheism, it's another worldview. And the polytheist uh, basically is saying there are many gods that all roads lead to heaven. Doesn't matter what you believe. Everybody's religion is equally valid. And that's what they argue. They, they, they embrace uh, the polytheistic worldview. And again, Uh, That's not what the Bible endorses. This is why you see verses that say um, God is a jealous God and not that uh, God is concerned 
in terms of being inferior to us or um, je- jealous like we find jealousy in our human nature. God's jealousy exists on a perfect level. Our jealousy exists on an imperfect level. So when we use the word jealous, that's the best word we can use to describe how God feels about us uh, worshiping other things, worshiping other people. So when the Bible talks about God uh, is a jealous God, what that scripture is saying is that God doesn't want to share his glory with anyone. So that means that the glory that belongs to him he doesn't want us to uh, uh, use it for someone else. The worship that belongs to him, he doesn't want us to use that worship for other things. So God, in a sense, is saying, I have to be number one. I have to be number one. And if you read the Old Testament, it always talks about when Israel backslid, how God indicted Israel and used phrase such as uh, Israel went whoring after other gods. They prostituted themselves. So whenever polytheistic uh, situations arose, the Bible captures it in a negative way uh, as Israel being an adulterer, Israel uh, whoring themselves. Uh, Hosea and his situation, being married to Gomer, is akin to the relationship that Israel had with God. So I hope that makes sense. And then we talked about Islam. Um, And there's a lot we can say about Islam. But the basic thing was, uh, how do we get to heaven? And in Islam, uh, they talk about paradise and they talk about heaven. And it's clear in the Quran that in order to get to heaven, in order to get to paradise, um, your good works have to outweigh the bad. But in the scriptures, in the Bible, it says the opposite. It says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith, not of works. It's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. So our salvation is not based on our works. The works has already been performed on the cross. We just have to accept God by faith. And then we don't work to, uh, to get saved. We work because we are saved. That's the distinction. We don't work to get saved. We work because we are saved. And then we talked about uh, Buddhism, uh, the quest to become enlightened in hopes of reaching nirvana, which is the final uh, cycle of reincarnation. Nirvana is the extension of human desires, or some may say the blowing out of the worldly mind. And in Buddhism, they are offered four noble truths, life is suffering. The cause of suffering is craving. The end of suffering comes with an end to craving. There's a path which leads one away from craving and suffering. So a lot of good works again. If you follow these four noble truths, then uh, eventually you reach nirvana. And nirvana is the final phase of your reincarnation, which is, again, a doctrine that is contrary to the scriptures. So we can't accept Buddhism. Then we have Hinduism, which is the worship and veneration of the gods Vishnu and Shiva. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Those who follow Hinduism 
uh, believe in the one supreme being called the absolute arm. So when you, uh, when you hear uh, those that are meditating, that are Hindu, um, go through this ritual of um, um, it is connected to this belief in the absolute God, Am. And Shiva, Vishnu, and Brahma are all manifestation of the absolute Am, who is the creator of all things according to Hinduism. So Hinduism prescribes five principles. God exists, it's number one. And again, when people use the term God, we need to unpack what they mean by the, by the term they're using, God. A lot of people use the term God, but are they talking about the God of the Bible? That is the significance. Then all humans are divine. Individual souls are already a part of the divine soul. That's number two. Number three, unity of existence, seeking to be at one with God. And this is all part of Hinduism. Then number four, religious harmony, to remain in harmony with other creatures and the universe. And then number five, knowledge of the three Gs, the Ganges, the body of river where people go to cleanse their sins. Hindus must be knowledgeable about that. The Gita, the sacred script of the uh, Bhagavad, Gita. Then the third, Gayatri a revered sacred mantra found in the uh, Rig Veda and also a poem, an entonement in the same specific meter. So again, uh, these ideas, these doctrines are not pointing us toward the God of the Bible. It's pointing us further away from the God of the Bible. And a lot of these things may make sense on the natural level, but if anything conflicts with the word of God, we have to reject it. As a matter of fact, the Bible is clear that whatever we need in life is found in the scriptures. We don't have to go looking for fulfillment in the Hindu Vedas. We don't have to go looking for fulfillment in the, uh, the noble paths and noble truths of Buddhism. We don't have to go looking for fulfillment in the analysis and work of the Quran. Everything we need is sufficiently and completely found in the atonement. Then the next group is the New Age Movement, uh, which gained prominence in the early 20th century. Some of the tenets of the New Age Movement included things such as reincarnation, astrology, psychics, finding spiritual energy in inanimate objects, objects such as mountains or trees. So that was the New Age Movement. Um, songs about Aquarius and what is your sign and all of this other stuff comes from the new age movement. Um, people using astrology to find their partners or to find what's going to happen to them on that day that came from the new age movement. So again, even when you read Colossians, it says, uh, let no one judge you in holy day in moon day. That's dealing with astrology. People that are wrapped up in astrology. So when we accept a Christ, Christ liberated us from all of these fetters, all of this bondage uh, that we came with. He wanted to liberate us so that the only person that we worship, the only person that we uh, follow is him. You don't need to do it, uh, those things anymore. They shouldn't have any power over you. That's why Christ died for us, so that we won't have to be, um, we won't have to be conflicted. 
Everything we need is in Jesus. Then the term occult, right? We're talking about a war of ideas. All of these are ideas created by men, and they are insufficient for our joy. They are insufficient for our salvation. So for those of, uh, 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 th- those of you who've wor- heard the term occult, the word occult talks about those who engage in occultic practices, right? They are, they are interested in things that are hidden and mysterious. Practices such as using tarot cards, Ouija boards, astrology are all examples of occultic practices. So when we look at scripture, especially uh, scripture such as Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, look what it says. It says, when thou art come into the land which the Lord God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abomination of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through fire or that use a divination or an observer of times or an enchanter of a witch or a charmer or a consultant with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer for all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God for these nations, which thou shalt possess. Hearken unto the observers of times and unto uh, di- uh, diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God had not suffered thee so to do. So in other words, when you get into the promised land, you're going to find competing ideas. You're going to find worship that is inconsistent with God. You're going to find them doing things that I don't want you to do, Israel. So when you get to these places, don't bring these uh, religious ideas into your heart. Don't embrace uh, the things that, that they're doing, the occultic practices they're, that they're engaged in. Don't, don't even deviate from what I'm telling you to do. And then in Levit- Leviticus 26, same thing. If you read Leviticus 26, it's just like Deuteronomy chapter 18. Even in 1 Timothy 4 and 1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some should depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. So we must be careful to what we read, to who we listen to. Those contrary worldviews can bring us further away from God. Then the next group is Judaism. And many of us know, um, who read the Old Testament, the teachings of Judaism. And even in New Testament, we learn about the teaching of Judaism, uh, where they embrace the Old Testament. But in many cases, in many groups, their interpretation of the Old Testament is centered on the fulfillment of the law according to their interpretation. When Jesus came, he knew all about the law because Jesus gave the law to Moses. So he wasn't against the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. So what did he mean by that? What Jesus is saying is there's nothing wrong with the law as developed and as created by me and the Father and the Spirit. There's nothing wrong with it. We had an intent for the law. The law was to be uh, your God master to uh, further revelation. Your, the, the law was to lead you from 
this point to the next point. The law was to get you started. But when uh, he came in the New Testament, he, 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 he gave us the truth of the law. He unpacked the principles of the law. But what a lot of the rabbis were doing is they were using the same words but misconstruing it. They were using the same uh, uh, mosaic laws but twisting it uh, for their own benefit. So when Jesus came, he said, there's nothing wrong with the law if you follow it the way that me and the Father intended it to be. So that's why the religious leaders were upset with Jesus. They were looking at the same Torah. They were looking at the same uh, Mosaic law. But Jesus had a different interpretation of it, which was the real interpretation versus what the religious leaders were teaching. So in Judaism, they're really not, uh, in many cases, right, there's always exceptions. In many cases, they have made the law the Lord over the real Lord. They believe more in the Mosaic law than they do the gospel of Jesus Christ and his kingdom agenda. So in Judaism, they, uh, many of them don't see uh, or don't accept individual sin. What they see is a national sin. Whereas in the New Testament, it's all about taking accountability for your sin. And many Jews don't see individual sin. They see a national sin. And that's, a, that's a, a, a big mistake because when we stand in front of Christ, we have to be accountable for what we do individually, not as a group. All of us will have to give an accountability for the time that we spent and what we did with it. Then you have things such as spiritism. Spiritism is another competing uh, worldview. And spiritism says the belief in communicating with the dead Right. That, that's what they're about. Uh, uh, um, spiritists, they believe in communicating with the dead. It is the belief that humans are in, immortal spirits designed to escape the physical body. And really, that's very uh, uh, close to the doctrine of uh, uh, Platonism. Uh, those that believe in Platonism uh, taught the same thing, that we were uh, we, we are our souls, and we were held captive inside of our body. And so the goal of life was for the soul to escape the body. And, and some Gnostic groups also taught the same thing, and that's not a reality. We are, in terms of our humanity, we are a combination of our soul and body. That's what makes us human. It is this combination of our soul and body. That's, that's what makes us human. There's not this uh, competing doctrine uh, or, or, or uh, competing metaphysics, whereas the soul it, uh, is yearning to escape this body. That, that's not a biblical doctrine. Um, the most we can say is that there will be a time where w- when Jesus comes back and, and, and we are raptured and before we, we get into the new heaven, new earth, we are going to have our perfect bodies. We can say that because scripture says it. We are going to have our perfect body because no imperfection can get into heaven. So we are going to be at our optimal best, whatever that is. We are going to be at our optimal uh, best when we get into heaven. So remember that. Uh, Deism. Uh, Deist. D-E-I-S-T-S. Deists are those who believe in God, uh, those that say God created everything, but God has left us here to run our own lives. 
And again, that's contrary to the gospel. It's contrary to everything Jesus taught. Um, God created everything, yes, but God did not leave us alone. God sent Jesus Christ here as a receipt that he has not forgotten us. He sent Jesus here as his ambassador. Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So uh, these are wrong. God uh, walks with us and he talks with us. And every day he's performing miracles on our behalf. Every day he's interceding on our behalf. So God has not left us alone. God, his presence is here. And if you want to know him more intimately, as Romans says, uh, Romans 10 and 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Then Romans ten thirteen says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. I get excited just talking about the gospel. So I pray that today's episode has been helpful to you. And uh, we thank you all for your continual prayers. We do need your support. If you will go online, srministries.org, and give your donations, uh, it can help us to do more in terms of equipping Christians to defend the faith. Now remember, to always do for the truth what so many others do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, or art to make, or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.